Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Joyful Friar podcast. I'm Father Nathan Castle, your host. Today, I'm getting to share with you the story of uh, one of my favorite people. I mean, I love so many of these people that have graced my life by letting me be a part of theirs. But today, it's one of the stories that I've told in Afterlife Interrupted, Helping Stuck Souls Crossover, which we often now call book one, because there's, you know, another in that series and a third one to come soon. This particular story is chapter 14 of uh, book one, and we titled it Eric Alone with His Thoughts. Part of the reason that this one touches my heart as it does is because Eric was a college student. Technically, he was not enrolled at the time of his death. He was in what often is called a gap year, something after finishing an undergraduate degree, knowing that you're going to go on for more formal study, but maybe uh, backpacking in Europe or doing some service work or something before going into the rigors of uh, another academic program. That's what Eric was about. He was the only child of two PhD parents. So he called it a, a script. He felt like uh, he always was going to get a PhD. His parents weren't hovering. They weren't insisting that he be enrolled at that particular time in his life because he was still trying to figure out what he wanted to do. He used the word clunky to refer to his perception of academic programs that demanded you get an undergraduate degree in something, then maybe two years of a master's degree in something else, and then a PhD program after that. They could be at three different universities requiring you to move all over the place. Um, he was looking for something that was more seamless than that. The challenge for him was he really wanted to be what he called um, a universal explorer. There were a lot of things he wanted to know about, but a lot of the academic programs were designed in such a way that you got very specific knowledge about something at the expense of being free to study other things. I could appreciate that because uh, in my undergraduate career, I started in art for about a year, maybe a little bit more, began to see that that wasn't my path forward. I was really enjoying sociology, uh, but I also liked other social sciences, a little bit of economics and um, history for sure, some psychology. The undergraduate university that I, I was in, Trinity University in San Antonio, part of the reason I chose it is because it sold itself to me as a place where I could go to a university candy store and learn a lot about a lot of things. So I appreciated that Eric was a little bit of a kindred spirit that way. He was going to buckle down and, and apply himself to something. He just hadn't chosen the something yet. He also told us that he wasn't one for dating. He just thought it, he, he used the word opaque. He, he said it seemed like the rules of it were opaque to him. Why can't you just hang out with people and have fun uh, rather than get into the drama of 
uh, you know, an exclusive relationship. So he was uh, sort of unattached. It happened that he was still hanging around with same age peers, but he did something like a meetup. I don't know if it was a specific app, but somehow he learned of a group of people about his age that were going to go on a hike. And he thought that that would be something he could do to meet new people. It's just that when he got there, uh, even though it had been billed as a place to meet new people, it seemed most everybody came with a companion and they were in little clusters with people they already knew. So it was awkward for him at the beginning of the hike. And he really just thought, okay, well, if this is the way it's going to be, uh, I'll just hang back, let everybody else uh, go on ahead. And he also made a good point that hikes are not a great place for meeting people because you're often looking at the back of the head of the person in front of you. And it can be hard on trails to walk to a breast and have a conversation. So that day he lowered his expectations and decided, well, I'm outdoors. I'll, um, I'll enjoy the outdoors and I'll enjoy my own company. So he held back. The problem is uh, when there was something of a rock slide landslide that entrapped him and caused his death. No one noticed it right away. No one came to his help. So as you might know, if you've uh, listened to my podcasts uh, and or read my books, uh, I've received a dream in the night of often of someone's sudden and violent death. I write it down, get with prayer partners and uh, am able in protected prayer to allow myself to be co-conscious with the person who brought a dream, allow them in uh, to my consciousness, allow them to borrow my voice, to speak to a prayer partner only long enough to explain how we might help them. We help them do a little bit of a crossing from one afterlife level to the next. So here's the dream that I received when um, I first met Eric. This was in the middle of May in 2015. So here's the dream as I received it and wrote it down as quick as I could. A young man, white, in his early 20s, had fallen along a hilly hiking trail. The land gave way beneath him, and he was in an avalanche of loose dirt. He came to rest upside down, buried in the dirt. Only his legs were sticking out. He couldn't move his arms, couldn't breathe, and was barely alive. I stayed with him and shouted for help. I told the young man that I was Nathan Castle and asked if he knew that name. I, I don't know why. I told him we were at a place that was well-traveled and that someone would be along soon. A group of three student doctors arrived. We got him to safety. They said he'd be fine and would need little treatment. Then they spoke among themselves about how the treatment for head injuries differed in Europe. We were in the United States. Someone was wearing a Disney sweatshirt. Medical students from Stanford and Duke arrived on the scene. They came in pairs and in large numbers. And I awoke. Well, by the middle of May of 2015, I had already finished seven years at Stanford University. I had been at uh, Arizona State for 12 before that. 
University of Arizona, where I now live, and at five years at UC Riverside. So I'd spent a lot of time among uh, American college students. It turned out that this one, um, we, the 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 helper that was um, the the prayer partner that day with Eric was also a campus minister colleague, a young woman in in a, a professional full time Catholic campus minister. We were good friends. So uh, I allowed Eric to borrow my voice and uh, talk to my friend. He explained basic things, some of which I've already mentioned, that uh, that he had a, a love for learning. And he wasn't trained in any religious system, but he said he admired the way that religious people allowed for wonder, that uh, they didn't take everything just at surface face value, but pondered things. He didn't want to study philosophy beyond a certain point because he didn't want to be a professional philosopher. He wasn't religious enough to want to do religious studies, but he liked being around people who thought uh, along those lines and who wondered about the majesty of the universe and our place in it and all of that. Well, of course, he had died. He died suddenly. But he really did kind of go with it. He didn't respond with shock or dismay. He just received it as the next moment. I think that was why he needed so little help. Not everyone's capable of that. Maybe in your own life, there have been twists and turns that you didn't see coming that left you really frightened or angry or disappointed or something. Or maybe you took something in stride, even though it was not at all what you had hoped for. We're capable of doing both. Anyway, Eric just uh, did go with it. And somebody in the story that I just read said he's not going to need very much help. And, and indeed he didn't. But he needed a little something that we were able to provide. And part of that was opening his imagination to inviting a companion to take him to the next level, to a place beyond the uh, kind of quasi-therapeutic level that is appropriate to people when they've just been through a sudden traumatic death. We often, especially years ago when I was st first starting in this work, I, I often would ask um, the person who had, had died traumatically, can you think of someone who died before you did, who you know loved you? I figured that would put them at ease because you wouldn't be frightened of somebody that you knew loved you. I presumed that because they'd been through trauma, that they might be still having some of its effects. And so I wanted the process to be as calm and peaceful as it could be. Although as time went on, I began to understand that they don't really get in my line and work with my prayer partners and me until much of that uh, experience of trauma has uh, uh, abated. They, they're already peaceful enough to move freely to a, a more appropriate next level. But they still need a companion because they're be going to be going to a place they've not been. And when you're going to a place you've not been, it's always handy to have a local or somebody, a companion who can show you around. So we used to always ask, can you think of somebody that loves you? Uh, that's one of the ways. Sometimes we would just say, um, would you rather just let the process unfold 
sometimes I would call that taking the luck of the draw. I've had many people over the years who've said, everyone that I've met here is so kind and so competent, whatever it is they do, that I trust that the next one will be just like that. I don't really need to pick. Other times their guardian angel is with them through even the trauma and help them get out of their body quickly and uh, help them uh, acclimate, if you will, to their their out-of-body uh, new life, uh, help them learn some lessons. Sometimes they'll just say, my guardian's already here and, and we already know each other. I don't really need another person. My guardian would be just fine. But then there's this other part where uh, you can say, uh, I would like you know, some famous person. And I've seen that happen. And that's what Eric chose. I kind of downplay that one. Uh, but you know how some famous people lend their celebrity to uh, beneficial causes? They raise money for some famine-stricken place, or if not that, they at least visit in a children's ward of a hospital or you know, celebrities just by showing up to people can boost the self-esteem of someone who is low by just being in awe, wondering, oh my God, this famous person, you care about me. Uh, so I've seen that in the afterlife, sometimes people who we think of here as famous are quite happy to show up and it's not perceived as um, something terribly startling. It's just people being people, and some people here uh, become better known than others. But they often have told me, too, or at least mentioned in passing in this work, that we're all well-known here. Nobody is unimportant. I, I just believe that's the truth of the universe, that we're created from God, who is uh, wonderful beyond imagining. It's still important to try to imagine it, to be have have one's consciousness fill of the wonder of just being alive and having a life that uh, it comes from the the one source. But anyway, sometimes a famous person will show up because they're asked. Other times, they uh, we're, we're kind of told we have somebody here who we think you'd be a good match for. But in this case, we laid out to uh, Eric what his alternatives were for moving forward, and. I guess he felt like I had kind of quickly passed over the option for choosing anyone you wanted, including someone famous. And he kind of pinned us down and said, is that true? Could it be anybody? And my my partner um, said, well, you know, we don't know how all of it works, but one would assume that they'd need to, first of all, uh, hear that they were called on. We're not summoning someone we're only inviting and asking we don't command the activities of other people but we could at least ask and so uh when we clarified that he said well then damn i want einstein i remember my partner saying well all righty then that was a phrase she used a lot all righty then well okay uh let's pause for a moment and prayerfully ask for uh, Dr. Einstein. Well, he showed up almost instantly. And this, sometimes people ask me, is this ever visual? It's not external vision like a ghost, but it's interior. 
And I don't remember now because it's been uh, eight years, I guess, whether I'm remembering his description of what he was seeing or whether I was kind of seeing it with him because both happen from time to time. But um, anyway, it, in the end, you know, you probably have a picture in your head of Albert Einstein. It's a pretty classic old man with a kind of walrus mustache and wild uh, white hair going every direction, uh, kind of kindly eyes. Well, anyway, he said, it's not that. He's showing up as this Tweedy, that's the word he used, Tweedy, young professor, like fresh out of his uh, doctoral work, just starting out his career. Uh, he's presenting that way to me. I didn't have a sibling, but he's presenting that way to me as a kind of uh, older brother mentor, really, really smart older brother, but somebody that um, could um, engage me as a friend, in addition to being a professor. Well, I benefited that way when I was a young college student. I had several professors who um, who mentored me and befriended me in a way, ways that were appropriate to uh, a college circumstance. That's part of why I chose the college I did. It, it, um, it touted in its materials that it had a 14 to one student teacher ratio and it had only PhDs in the classroom no teaching assistants or, you know, a lot of adjunct uh, professors. So you got you got to work alongside uh, really smart people who enjoyed teaching. So anyway, that was what happened with Eric. He, um, he crossed into this next afterlife plane with Albert Einstein because that's what he wanted. It's what he asked for. As a, a Catholic Christian, Jesus did say, uh, ask and you'll receive. You know, and so is it outlandish that Albert Einstein would come and help somebody? Well, if you think so, you're entitled to that thought, but but why would that be so outlandish? Everybody's a person. And um, and besides, it, I, I haven't done lots of reading in Einstein, but in addition to being this, you know, off the charts, brilliant um, physicist, he also had a sense of wonder about the universe that he was exploring and learning so much about and teaching so much about. He he saw that it had rules and order and that it there was nothing about it that suggested that it created itself, uh, that, that there were uh, mysteries built into uh, the universe. So anyway, I, uh, I, I, I've not dealt with him ever again, really. Uh, he's the, he, that's the only time any of the people that I've been helping with my per partners is the only time anybody asked for him, but he was right there right away. And I really thought it was clever and inventive to, instead of showing up as somebody that was, you know, 50 years older than Eric, he showed up as somebody only a few years older who might be able to befriend this guy who really wasn't very skilled at having friends. He had told us that he had, you know, had been raised by these two parents. He said their marriage was wonderful. They were each other's best friend. Uh, but because of that, the way they went about their lives, they didn't have a lot of interaction with other people. Their little pod of uh, the two parents and Eric was the world that he had known. So anyway, that's it. that's briefly the story of Eric alone with his thoughts. He didn't lived to have to figure out the next stage of his life to figure out this program where he would um, 
get advanced degrees. He he's really enjoying or has been enjoying um, being able to learn and explore at his own pace and not have to prove himself to other people. Um, he mentioned that so often in, in uh, academic life, you have to gain acceptance to a program by writing something to prove that they ought to receive you or ought to take you. And he said, all that's gone away. I just get to study what I want to study and be with people I want to be with. Uh, and uh, he found he's finding that delightful. Well, it won't be long in my own life that I'm going to be giving a, um, uh, an important address, important to me anyway, to uh, at a university, uh, at the university's invitation to speak about this afterlife interrupted work. So I was already thinking of using the Eric story because my audience for that talk is going to be largely a uh, college student. So since I was studying that already and, and wanted to get a show done for you today, I thought, well, why don't I just do Eric, Eric alone with his thoughts. So if you followed uh, the way that we do this on the, on the Joyful Friar podcast, we do what we call a trilogy. Today was part one of a new story of Eric. The next episode will be what we call compassionate response. That is when people have heard this story, what did it evoke in them? Compassion means to suffer with. And very often the people who are attracted to this topic are attracted to it because they've been through the sudden loss of a loved one. And they're wondering what's next or how to frame it in the uh, so sometimes this has a kind of a i don't know a, a grief support kind of dynamic to it that i didn't anticipate so anyway the next episode will be eric alone with his thoughts compassionate response and then the episode after that will be uh spiritual practice as you heard eric was not a religious person by the end of the thing, he was saying that he was doing something like prayer for us. He he didn't. He said, "I wasn't a praying person, but I know that 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 means to kind of send positive energy from oneself to another." He knew that we're all energetic beings, regardless of how we conceive of our lives here. So the third part of the trilogy will be uh, my attempt from the Catholic Christian tradition I've been raised in to share. Uh, a spiritual practice from this tradition or from my own way of being in the world that might be helpful to you or to others who uh, listen to this or view this a podcast. So that's it for today. That is Eric alone with his thoughts. He, if you want to go into the story at greater depth, it's in Afterlife Interrupted, Helping Souls Crossover. It's chapter 14. But for now, thanks for being a part of this episode, and I look forward to being uh, with you again. I might not know you, but I do pray for you. So whatever it is that motivates you to um, listen to or view this podcast, know that um, uh, like Eric, he said, I don't, I'm not a praying person. Well, I am a praying person and I'm praying for you. So I hope uh, you have a great day. God bless you. And thanks for being with us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joyful Friar. You can visit me at nathan-castle.com. Send me a message by clicking the contact button. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can make a donation by clicking the donate button. See you next time.
God bless.